Hello, and welcome to another episode of Piecing the Parsha Together. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Pekude. It's also a Shabbos Chazak. Finish the Sefer of Shmos. And the end of Shmos has very much focused on the construction of the Mishkan. Parsha's Pekude is no exception to that, and it will conclude the construction of the Mishkan. However, one thing seems, um, if you look at it, slightly out of place. And that is, in fact, the very beginning of the Parsha. The first Parsha, This is the account of the Mishkan, Mishkan of testimony. And it was done by Moshe, made the accounting of the Vodas of Levium with the work of the Levium, Biadi Samar Ben Aaron Cohen in the under the control of Aaron. The son is somewhere. It mentions Bitzalel in the next Pasuk, mentions Oliav in the Pasuk after that. And I think we would expect that to come after everything is done. Similarly, if we were expecting sort of a parallelism uh, between Truma and Tetzave and, and Vayakapakude, we would have expected to find the Kalim of the Mishkan in Vayaka, which we do, and then a discussion of the Big Day Kahuna, which we sort of also do, except that the discussion of the Big Day Kahuna happens after this accounting, which precedes the, the Psukim, that introduced the fact that there is account, and then B'tal Analia. So that's Psukim, Chafdalim, through uh, really even the first Pasuk of, of what is what is the Paraklamites. So, why does that occur? Why is it that there's an accounting made, seemingly an accounting of the Mishkan, before talking about the completion of all the big day kahuna? So, perhaps we'll find an answer if we look at the idea of what exactly is this account. So we have two different uh, comments. Um, one made by the Sforno, Another by Rav Hirsch that <clears throat> perhaps appear that they're not saying the same thing, but perhaps they're not saying something so different either. So, in fact, Rav Hirsch even quotes the Sforno. And the Sforno says the Pekuri Hamishka, the fact that it's counted out, is to show that there's a certain importance and a certain significance and a holiness given to each one of the vessels of the Mishka. They were all done Lishma. They were all uh, done <clears throat> by Tzadikim. Under the you know, auspices of Betzal and Ahaliyav. And after each one, it says Ka'asher Tziva, right? As they were commanded, I think it's either Hashem, it says Hashem, I think, for the for the Kalim, and it says Moshe. I'm oh, sorry, another round. It says Moshe for the Kalim, and I think it says the by Hashem for the Begadim. And the idea here is, the Sforno says that to tell you that none of these things ever fell into the hands of the non-Jews, never captured, never destroyed. As opposed to the Batim Igdashim. And the Sforno even says that even though the QT from the count, that the amount <coughs> used in the Mishkan is less, doesn't matter. It's still, there's still something Hashiv to it. It says the first base of Mikdash was, was uh, from Chiram Melech Tzor, provides uh, you know, wood and, and some, some of the manpower. And the second base of Mikdash is Koresh. Right? And they're not, they're not at the same level. 
even if they have a lot more splendor and glory to them. So Rav Hirsch uh, comes to add, you know, he sort of bothered the, you know, talk about totals, totals of only the gold and copper are mentioned completely, and for the silver it only mentions the total of the half shekel that everybody donated. It doesn't mention <clears throat> the rest of the silver. It doesn't mention any of the other materials. And he also was trying to maybe figure out what the word ala means. Is, let's talk about these things right here. As opposed to being connected if they would have had a vav. So Rav Hirsch says that what we get right here, right, as opposed to after, he says after when you get you get you know additional um, discussions of, of of the Mishkan, he says right here is sort of offsetting the things that belong to the Mishkan itself. And the things that are mentioned uh, in in this you know beginning of the parsha are things that really relate to the Mishkan, as opposed to you know the big the big day Kahuna, let's say, which I think follow it. And he makes the comment, which is really towards the end of Parak Ches, <clears throat> that you see some items are mentioned just in the Kodesh. And some are in different places. So he says that all the gold was used solely for the Kodesh. The silver was used for the sockets of the Kodesh, but also for the capitals, hooks, and bands of the four core pillars. So things that are not just in the Kodesh. He says the copper was used for the sockets and furnishings of the forecourt. And I think that's the, the Chatzar. This denotes the horizontal projection of the entire sanctuary in three stages. So again, the idea he would say that there's an account made of of the gold, even though it doesn't say what the gold is used for. But it's all in the kodesh. You know, the, the the copper again is largely this is part of the kodesh, except for the the kior. But the kior is not made from the copper donation. It is made out of copper, but that's the mirrors of the women, and then <clears throat> the silver. Is not restricted to a certain area. Therefore, once again, it doesn't say that it, maybe the, the machazitza shekel was, but the rest of it doesn't. It could have been used for different, um, uh, you know, clay sharis. So the idea, according to Rav Hirsch, is that the focus <clears throat> of our counting is only on what's in the Mishkan and not, let's say, the big day kahuna which follow. So I don't know if this is <clears throat> the only answer, and it's not an answer that I was able to see in any of the things that I looked at that comment on these psukim, but it could be, again, based on the Sforno, that the construction of the Mishkan, uh, because it has a, a permanence, something that is stressed, whereas, let's say, the, the Big Day Kahuna specifically, Maybe they don't even last forever, and that's not hard to imagine. If the Kohanim and the Kohen Gadol are going to wear these begotten day in, day out, right? and, and if the big day Kahuna themselves would be used the entire time we have either a Mishkan or a Beis HaMikdash, whereas the Mishkan only lasts for, for you know, a couple hundred years, I think it is very reasonable, 
that I'm not sure um, if it's it's said anywhere. I'm not I'm not aware of any medrash or any gemara that says that the the <clears throat> the the big day kahuna never wore out. Um, in fact, I think it says at least some of it was was used. I think in part of the lighting ceremony for the simchas pesach on Sukkot. But on that's not all of the garments. Perhaps the clothing wore out. So we're not going to focus on that the same way. And in fact, what the Torah does focus on, the Torah focuses on the the structure, the Mishkan. And the Mishkan's structure is, has a certain permanence to it. And I think <clears throat> that you could also say there's a great significance to that. If we recall, <clears throat> the Mishkan, <clears throat> at least according to many Rishonim, <clears throat> is a way of sort of atoning for the Chet Egel. And um, I don't think this came up. We didn't discuss the Chet Egel itself, but share with you the perspective of my reverie of Sheftel Neuberger, Zachrona Levracha, <clears throat> that the Chet Egel is not about Avodazar. Maybe a few thousand people, the Gedim and Hasra, from the era of Rav, as mentioned in Parshas Kisisa, perhaps those individuals <clears throat> worshipped idols. But the vast majority <clears throat> of people did not. Nevertheless, they're still punished. Why? So he says the idea is that we, B'nai Yisrael, were determining, okay, Moshe's not here anymore. At least that's what they thought. Now we need to figure out what we're going to do. How are we going to interact with Hashem? Before it was with Moshe. Now we need something else. That was not something that they should have decided. That was not, deci- that was not their decision to make. And Hashem controls the conditions, the parameters of the relationship. And if it's left to us, who knows what will happen? And who knows where we'll end up? And if the Mishkan is a way for us to provide uh, atonement for that, then it is unsurprising that at every step of the way, it's going to say they did it exactly the way they were commanded, whether it's from Hashem or from Moshe. Or Moshe repeating Hashem's command. And that shows that we are, in fact, worthy of sort of rectifying the wrong of the Chet Egel, and the Parsha will end with Hashem's presence in the Mishkan. And that can also perhaps explain, we did it right, that this is something that, you know, done total Ishma, it will, it can last forever. It did last forever, even if we didn't use it uh, long term. And I think you could say the takeaway message for us, especially say what we're about to enter into Purim and Pesach, is that we're going to have an opportunity to do lots of different actions. We should always remember that our actions matter. Our actions can have lasting significance. With that, I wish you all a wonderful Shabbos. I thank you for listening and I hope to see you next time.